You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Somehow made it to the final hour on this Wednesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. We have touched on a variety of topics. A lot of movie talk. Started with Top Gun 2. The trailer is out. Paulie has already given me the synopsis for the movie, and he hadn't even seen the trailer. I think it's going to be dead on with what his synopsis is. All right, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. You know, we talk about movies a lot. And I remember talking to Spike Lee years ago about what makes, you know, movies magical. And he said there are times that he loves sports so much because it's not scripted. You know, a movie you can make appear to be magical, but there's nothing that captures, the, you know, the... Uh, the thrill, the victory, the defeat, the storylines that go into an actual sporting event. And here we are again. And it always seems like, wow, who would have thought that could happen? Tiger Woods was at Augusta yesterday playing 18 holes. And we're a little more than a week away. So tomorrow, a week from tomorrow, 13 months ago, he almost died in a car accident. He thought he might lose part of his leg in that accident. And here he is at Augusta playing 18 holes. Now, if you said Tiger in 13 months after the accident, he's going to be playing at Augusta 18 holes. And I'd go, oh, that, I mean, that's not happening. That'd be incredible. Now there's a chance that he might play in the Masters. I don't know how well he can play. I don't know how long he can play. I don't know if he cares about that. Because it might just be a moral victory, his own victory. The other victories are for the golf historians. And remember when Alex Smith had that gruesome injury? And you're thinking, you know, hopefully he doesn't lose his leg. And then his career is over. And then we started hearing about all the surgeries and then the rehab. And then you went, he just wants to take one snap. He already made his millions. Had a you know future as a broadcaster. And, and I was told all he wants to do is take one snap. He played in six games. He won, he won five of six games. Then he retired. It was his victory. And a lot of times, you know, we hope those athletes do it for us. We're fans. But they do things for themselves. And it might not be what we think it should be. You know, when Jordan played for the Wizards, oh, gosh, he's going to stain the memory of what he was with the Bulls. Mike didn't care. You see Emmett Smith play for the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, you know, I can't picture him in another uniform. He didn't care. Tony Dorsett, another uniform. Franco Harris in another uniform. Joe Namath in another uniform. Johnny Unitas. They do things for themselves. And sometimes it's not what we want. That's not the script. And here's Tiger at Augusta. I don't know if he could play four consecutive rounds, but, man, is that must-see TV? Even if he just plays sort of a ceremonial round, you have a lot of these former Masters champs, and they can't put up you know, competitive numbers, but you're invited back if you won the Masters. And maybe Tiger just wants to – that's his favorite course, and – you know, maybe if they pair him with Justin Thomas, his good buddy, they played yesterday, and maybe he has that moment where he gets to come back from this. And maybe, I'm sure his goals are bigger than that. 
but just to be able to tee it up, because I thought maybe if you said he's going to the Masters this year, I would think he'd be part of the ceremonial uh, first tee. Like he would just have a tee shot, and that would be it. He'd be out there with Jack Nicklaus, you know, go to the dinner, uh, maybe play a little bit in the par three, and that'd be it. And I would be satisfied with that. But now he's Tiger. He's going to try to play, it seems. Yeah, Seaton. I wonder how satisfying it is, though, just for him to get out there and play around with his son. Rather than, is, you know, is the Masters the most important thing or was getting out there with his kid the more important thing? I wonder where that motivation... I don't know. But if he can play with his son at the par three at Augusta, that's another one of those, you're doing it with your son. And I think that's big, too. But mm-hmm. to go out there then, you know, on Thursday and start playing and play for real, that's different. But you could see a different joy with Tiger when he was playing with his son than that made-for-TV event. It was just, it was fun to watch him watch his son. Yeah, Paul. Maybe they let Tiger and his son play a little two-man scramble, and the, the mm. son could do the teeing off the mm. big shots, and Tiger mm. could bring it home. Is there any chance, you mentioned Alex Smith, and I didn't think about it until you said it. I, I don't want to speculate, but is there any chance Tiger Woods says, I'm going to go back, play around the best I can in the Masters, and call it. He's only he's only 46, or he's 46. He's a he's an old 46. Right. Is there is there any chance we, Monday morning he says that's good? Just wanted to get on a, a, a hallowed ground one more time. I have no idea. I mean, he's a Rubik's cube trying to figure him out, and you know, his back, his knee, now his leg. Uh, you know, you're just. Like, what's left? What do you want? And maybe it's just to show, hey, no matter what the obstacle was. Remember when we thought, you know, he may play in Augusta. We had a caller saying, I'm going to guarantee he wins the Masters. We're like, you're crazy. And he wins the Masters. So every time you go, well, you, you know, Tiger can't do that. He can't hit that shot. He can't come from behind and win. The, and then you go, yeah, he did. Yeah, time. He's so competitive, though, and unless he's in unbearable pain after the first round, if he does anything decent where he thinks he can somehow make the cut, it would be hard to believe that he wouldn't continue unless it was just so you know physically unbearable that he couldn't continue for a few more days. Thank you, Todd. You're welcome. Augusta National Golf Club, one of golf's greatest stages, hosts the world's best amateurs. Augusta National, the women's amateur, Saturday at noon Eastern on NBC and Peacock. Go to PeacockTV.com to sign up now. I always marvel when you look at careers, the first half of Tiger's career is as good as anybody who's ever played the sport. But as much as I marvel about his first 10 years, let's say, he went almost 10 years without winning a major. So if I said, hey, what's more, not impressive, but what stands out, what's what's more shocking? It wouldn't be the first 10 years. It'd be the next 10 years where you go, he hadn't won a major. Because we thought it was a foregone conclusion. He's going to pass Jack on the all-time record for majors. He'll blow by 18. And then I started looking at Albert Pujols' numbers. First 10 years, it's unbelievable. he's a Hall of Famer after 10 years. Three MVPs, won two World Series titles. The numbers are incredible. One of the great right-handed hitters of all time. And then... It was the next 10 years where you go, he didn't do anything. He was like a little better than an average player. So if you said, what's more surprising, 
the first 10 or the second 10. With Albert Pujols, I'd probably say the first 10 because we didn't know anything about him. I think it was a 13th round draft pick. We didn't know anything about him. And then when we did know everything about him, he goes to the Angels and doesn't do anything. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, Dan, his first 10 years with the Cardinals, his batting average was 328 and 445 home runs. That, that'll get you right into the Hall of Fame. His second 10 years, all with uh, Los Angeles, he hit 256 with 222 home runs. Well, you also think of Ken Griffey Jr. Because Ken Griffey Jr. had this unbelievable start to his career. Now, he had injuries. He was the face of the sport. Nike had him as, uh, you know, presidential candidate. You know, they were promoting him that way. Then he goes to Cincinnati. The injuries caught up to him. You had two different careers. Albert Pujols, two different careers. Tigers had three different careers. You know, imagine if Tom Brady won all of his Super Bowls in the first 11 years of his career. And then went 10 years without nothing. That was sort of what Tiger did. Now, Tiger did come back again to win a major. And here we are. Not done yet. Yeah, Paul. Ken Griffey's very similar. In Seattle, his first 13 years, he hit 300 with 417 home runs, which is, believe it or not, way less than Pujols' numbers. Then in Cincinnati, he was a nice player. He hit 270 with 210 homers. Nice. Yeah, three all-star appearances with Cincinnati. Yeah, got to play with his father. They both hit home runs in the same game. But yeah, Tiger at Augusta. I mean, it's it's must-see TV anyway, but that Thursday, a week from tomorrow, I just want to see, is he playing in the par three? Is he going to play in that? How cool would it be to have Tiger and Jack with a ceremonial first tee? And Gary Player is still alive. You don't have Arnie anymore. Yeah, see. What do you think is more likely to keep Tiger out, though, his physical ability or his level of play? Like not being able to play up to his standards. I well, I think it it, it it those are attached. They're intertwined. Yeah, they're yeah. absolutely. But I can't imagine that he would put himself out there that he could be embarrassed. Where, you know, he might have a seven on a par three or something. Not that that hasn't happened to great players who are healthy. I just even when we go out and shoot on the court, and if I miss like three shots in a row, like I'm embarrassed. But that hasn't happened. Happen, ha- not yet. Not yet. No, it did happen one time. <laughs> Remember my mom called in and I, I, I missed three shots <laughs> and she said, Danny, what's wrong? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, you missed three shots in a row. And I go, <laughs> I know. I was like, damn. And she was right. Like you just, and that's just my little world. Tiger's doing this for the world, the real world, where they're going to be watching him. And you don't want to, you know, the, the sport will humble you. Of all the sports, golf humbles you. Because there are days where you go, I don't, I don't even know how to play. And then you'll play and you go, what am I doing? I'm playing great. I can't miss. I'm going on the corn ferry tour. I'm ready to go. But I, I, I love that he, when you go through rehab, anybody who's gone through it, Lord knows our audience has gone through or going through rehabbing an injury. You want to have a goal. Like, what's the goal? And when I went through all my health issues for eight years, my goal was, can I just play 18 holes of golf and, you know, 
not be in, in pain, in misery. That was it. I just wanted to play. Could I walk? Could I, you know, climb steps? Like simple things where you go, that's my goal. My goal was to play 18 holes. And I kept having that goal. I couldn't even swing a club for years. But, you know, you just have to do this. Anybody who's going through something now, you're like, my goal is two. At least it should be. Because that helps you through it. If not, you just sit in your dark world and you're like, is this ever going to end? Am I ever going to feel better? But when you start to make progress and then you realize that you might reach your goal. First time I played golf, I played horrible. I hadn't played in eight years. I hadn't played, but damn, it felt great. It was like, this is awesome. But I'm spraying the ball out of bounds in the water. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm playing with my friends and they're like, you seem uh, okay with this. I go, yes, I get to play. Didn't think I'd ever get to play. Yeah, Paul. That, that's what, remember we had Alex Smith on after he uh, left Washington? And you asked him, why don't you, why don't you keep going, become a, a backup? He, I think he was 36 when he retired. Yeah. He could have played three more years as a backup and oh. gotten in games. He said, nah, that, it wasn't about continuing. It's about checking the box that I'm retiring on my own, by my own choice. And he had to have that goal because if you watch that documentary or that piece on him, I mean, I, I had to turn it off. It's, it, it was so, it's like in your face what he was going through and nearly losing his leg. It looked like he had put his leg in a meat grinder. But in his mind, you're a competitor, you're an athlete. And I think that's what Tiger has to be thinking. It's, I got to do this. Why wouldn't I do this? I should try this. And maybe, maybe it's more than just playing in the par three with his son. All right, we'll come back. We got a lot of phone calls to get to. Uh, we've talked a lot about uh, the MVP this year in the NBA. I, I said it was Joel Embiid's to lose, and it might be Giannis's to win, the way he's played down the stretch. And it's, it's one of those, what have you done for me lately? And he's competing against himself. Therefore, I thought Embiid would be the story because it would be a new story. It's hard to argue anybody is better, more valuable, both ends of the floor than the Greek freak. We'll take a break. Back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Link Soul is here. I got my Link Soul on today. I got my sweatshirt on. Paulie, you flying the colors there? Got the hoodie. Yeah, that's nice. Seaton. Head to toe. Yeah. Todd just has one of our T-shirts. He has the uh, L.A. Chargers. Because Brandon Staley was on, so yeah. I got dressed up in the Chargers. No, no, it's fine. That's fine. I mean, nobody's, you know, I'm not upset at you. That was the right choice. You know, he went with the T-shirt there. But we have the Link Soul on, and... Uh, you get that vibe. It's a lifestyle rooted in golf, but it can be worn on and off the course. In and out of the ocean, they got hats, they got hoodies, shorts, pants. You get the feel, you get the vibe, dress it up, dress it down. And we're all in on Link Soul. Got to meet the people who run the company. They're basically two guys that we met. And, uh, you know, John and Jeff, we got to see how they are, what they're doing. Uh, prototypes, uh, what it's going to be like here next year. Uh, Bubba Watson's going to be probably wearing it at the Masters. Uh, we mentioned Alex Smith, the former quarterback. He's an ambassador as well. Check out Link Soul. LinkSoul.com. Let me know what you think. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR, or stream us live on the Peacock app. We'll check in with the great NBA writer, Brian Windhorst. The Mothership will join us coming up. 
Brian, a couple of days ago, said that he thinks the Lakers will consider trading Anthony Davis. That feels like everything will be on the table. He'll join us coming up here. Stunning design, unmatched intelligence, and a compact ready-for-anything build. Sometimes exceptional is the rule. 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLA, member of the unrivaled SUV family. Learn more at MBUSA.com. More phone calls coming up. And I uh, look up, and there he is, Brian Windhorst, the ESPN senior NBA writer. Thanks for joining us, Brian. I mentioned that you said everything will be on the table for the Lakers this offseason. That includes Anthony Davis. What leads you to believe that? I just – I don't – Dan, I don't know what they're going to do. I, 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 I'm looking at with the cards that they're holding. Um, I, I just don't know how they dramatically get out of this situation. And so – I think they'll discuss it. Do I think they'll do it? I don't know. I don't see a trade that makes sense uh, for them right now. Also, I don't know if I would trade a guy who's a top 15 player when he's healthy because it's so hard to get that. And I don't think you're going to get that in return. So ultimately I don't think they will, but I'm just looking at what they have to do. Like, like Dan, I honestly think that they're going to have to call the other 29 teams and they're going to have to say, what can you send us for Russell Westbrook? You know, not as a player. Forget about him as a player. Just as a $47 million expiring contract. We will gather the contracts you don't want on your books anymore, and we'll take them. We'll take three NBA players, whoever they are, and you can use Russell Westbrook to sell tickets, to <laughs> rebuild your salary cap, to release. And we will take any three players. I mean, I honestly think that's where they're going to have to start, and I still don't know if they're going to get takers or somebody that doesn't say, yeah, we'll take them, but send us your unprotected 2027 first round pick. I just think it's going to be really hard. It sounds hopeless. Well, it's not hopeless if you have LeBron and AD. I mean, just to be clear with, they're both healthy and playing, they're really good. But Dan, when they won the title in the bubble, they were the number one defensive team there in Orlando. And last year they were, remember they were in really good position before LeBron sprained his ankle. That was a really bad injury and it derailed them. But for the season, they were the number one defensive team. Number one. So they had good bones, if you will. And so when they traded for Russell Westbrook, a lot of people focus on, oh, it was just a terrible fit with LeBron. And that's true, of course. But to get Russell Westbrook, they traded away the core of their defense. Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Kyle Kuzma were really valuable defensive players. And the guys they replaced them with were not. And so they've gone from number one defense. I didn't check it this morning, but like they've been down around 20. That's a catastrophic fall when their team was built on doing that. And so that is the issue. How do you recapture that when you've already gassed all of your resources to get a player that is not working? And I know you brought this up that LeBron works in four-year increments, whether it's Cleveland, Miami, Cleveland, now with Los Angeles. Well, I don't think he can work in a four-year increment now in L.A. Is, is he there for the rest of his career? I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. Um, you know, I was looking. So the Lakers team is the oldest team in the NBA. And so I, I wanted to know the oldest team since when. And I had somebody here at ESPN go research it for me. And he said, it's the oldest team since the 2010 Cavs. <laughs> and I was not surprised at all. And by the way, that doesn't even include the 2014 Miami Heat, where when they lost that finals to the Spurs, I went into the locker room 
Shane Battier announced his retirement in the locker room. Ray Allen basically brought the ball to the one-yard line on retiring. And Rashard Lewis, who started the game that night, never played in the NBA again. So three of the three, you know, three of the starters, three of the top six players from his last year in Miami never played again. So this is what happens. When you have LeBron, you pour yourself in, you trade your draft picks, you sign veterans, you do everything you can, and a franchise just can't do that over and over and over. And two years ago, I would have told you, oh, they have AD who's in his mid-20s and in his prime. Maybe that won't happen now. Maybe the window will extend. Maybe they've learned from watching what happened with the Cavs and then the Heat and then the Cavs again. Because, by the way, Cavs 2018, they were relying on you know, Kyle Korver and Jeff Green and stuff like that. And then they do the Westbrook trade. They sign, you know, five guys in their mid to late 30s, and we are in the exact same spot. And when LeBron left the Heat, they were lucky that they still had Dwayne Wade. But when LeBron left the Cavs the first time, they were awful. When the Cavs, LeBron left the Cavs the second time, they were awful. The Lakers, if LeBron were to leave right now, would be, you know, non-playoff team. That's what being with LeBron for a year on, a year out does. If you look back, and I know, you know, the benefit of hindsight there, why couldn't LeBron make it work with the younger players that he had? That, that nucleus is a, still a pretty good nucleus and even, a, you know, good players on other teams. Why was he not willing to make that work? Well, first off, LeBron has never valued draft picks or playing with young players. If you go look at his career, he's only played with a handful of first-round picks um, because most of them have been traded. And I always remember when he came back to Cleveland, you know, and he, he wrote his, you know, letter and he was like, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing with these guys. And he didn't mention Andrew Wiggins, who had just been drafted <laughs> with the number one overall pick like 15 minutes beforehand. He was like, bye-bye, Andrew. I'm interested in Kevin Love. And so part of it is, is the teams that he's playing with reacting to him. And so one of the young players he's actually played with in the last couple of years is Taylor Horton Tucker, was one of the few guys – who have been a draft pick who he's taken along, like Daniel Gibson, Taylor Horton Tucker, Norris Cole. Like, this is the list, Dan. That's the list. It's never been something he's valued. Like, when we saw what he did um, when, he, when he retweeted Les Snead, who traded all those picks, and, you know, he, the, the, the parade in L.A., he wore that shirt that said, F them picks. LeBron tweeted that, and he goes, legend. I think he said legend with multiple exclamation points. LeBron's like, get me one of those shirts. Like, that's the way LeBron feels. So it's hard to stay young when you perpetually are wanting your peers and LeBron's peer age is going up and up and up to be with you on the team. Brian Windhorst, ESPN senior NBA writer. Is your answer different if I say who should win MVP and who will win MVP? Well, I've pretty consistently voted in our straw polls for Embiid. I think he's been amazing. I think he plays at both ends of the court. Um, I think the things that he does, I mean, like people talk about Nikola Jokic, what he does for the Nuggets offense. And of course, in fact, earlier this year, Dan, I, I, you know, most of the media doesn't sit on the floor anymore. They've sold those seats. They've moved us off. I've got gray hair now. When all my hair was brown, I sat on the court. You used probably have sat on the court many times. I sat in a game in Oklahoma City, and I sat in the, like the second or third row. So I was basically eye level with Jokic, and I, so I could kind of see what he, seed, what he sees. And it, my admiration for him went even higher because I could see actually how great his reads were in real time at his eye level. I won't take anything away from him. But if you watch him bead, 
he does a lot for the Sixers offense. He comes out in the high pick and roll. He sets things up. He plays inside. He plays outside. I believe uh, he still to this moment has my MVP vote. But our straw poll that Tim Bontemps on our staff did, and this I can't emphasize this enough, and I noticed that Caesars moved their odds after this poll came out because Caesars has watched this poll. This is a poll of 100 likely MVP voters. There's only 100. And when Tim does this poll, he doesn't call 25 people in New York and 25 people in Los Angeles. He calls people in every NBA city. He talks to people in Italy. He talks to people in, in outside the country who because who, those guys get MVP votes. He talks to broadcasters. He talks to radio people. He talks to TV, to, to writers. It's a real poll of how the voters are feeling. That came out yesterday, and that poll – says Jokic is in the lead. It's it's wow. not a huge margin, but he is in the lead. And the, and the odds immediately started flipping. And they were right because you can make a case stand for somebody else and I could listen to it and agree with you. This is where the voters are thinking today that it's Jokic. Having voted on it for many, many years, it always felt like we were looking for a new story. When in Carl yeah. Malone, Charles Barkley, and I kept voting for Jordan. And then, you know, media members in the in Phoenix and Salt Lake would be critical of me. And I go, I just know what I know and I know what I see. Mike's the most valuable player. I, I was watching Giannis last night against Embiid. I think Giannis is competing with himself. And we take him for granted. Like he's gotten to the point where we take him for granted, which isn't fair to him. And we told that story. And I said, I thought Embiid was going to win it, or at least the last couple of months, because we haven't told that story. I don't know how much that factors into this, Brian. We've told the joke, you know, Jokic story. This is the one that it feels like, all right, Joel Embiid is next. It's like the, um, the actor who hasn't won the Academy Award. Okay, exactly now it's your right. turn. That is exactly right. Well, I'll just bring up the classic case of this, Westbrook. You know, there hadn't been an MVP who hadn't had been on a 50-win team in something like 25 years. It was like Moses Malone. I can't remember if it was with the, I think it was with the Rockets in the early 80s. Typically, the MVP came off one of the three or four best teams in the league. But that year with Westbrook, we were all into that story of the get-back season on Durant. And then he put the cherry on top with the triple-doubles. And I remember this game that he played in Denver right about this time, maybe a little bit later, early April. It was the night he, he guaranteed himself, I think, the triple-double. He knew he was going to get it, to the average of triple-double. And he hit like a... 25-footer at the buzzer to win the game and eliminate the Nuggets from playoff contention. I'm going to underline that. He eliminated the Nuggets from playoff contention in Denver, and the crowd in Denver gave him a standing ovation. It's not a good sign for the Nuggets faithful, <laughs> but was an indication of how much those fans loved the story. They loved the story of Westbrook getting back at Durant by doing this. And in a situation mm -hmm. like that, the story carried the day. So they finished like the sixth or seventh seed, and he won the MVP. So that's definitely a case. The other thing is, you're right. Giannis isn't contending against Embiid and Jokic. He's contending against himself from previous years. When he won his second MVP a couple of years ago, he won Defensive Player of the Year and MVP. It's one of the great seasons we've seen in the modern era. I voted for LeBron, I think, seven years in a row, between 2009 and 2000, about 15, 16. He won four of them. I would argue that some of those years, he was still the best player. But the first year in Miami, the story wasn't great. First year back in Cleveland, they were 19 and 20 coming out of the gates. 
it's, it is, you, everything that you said, I couldn't have said better myself. How good is LeBron's son? Um, he's very good. Uh, he's going to be a, I, I don't know if he's going to go play in college. If he were to go play in college, he would probably get a high major offer. Whether he would be a star on that team, I don't know. Um, having seen him play, he is in tremendous physical condition. He is in better condition than his dad was at the same age because his dad never lifted a weight in his life till he was 16. This kid was having personal training, I don't know, when he was 10. So he's done incredible work on his physique. He's very, very conditioned. But he is not the athlete LeBron was. LeBron was six foot seven, six foot eight, 240 pounds when he was 17. When he came into the NBA, he was, was one of the few 18-year-olds ever who physically wasn't intimidated. The only player that intimidated LeBron as a rookie was Ron Artest. He was the only guy who could get into LeBron. That would not be the case for most 18-year-olds. So Bronny is very skilled. I talked to um, – I think he's listed as a four-star prospect. So think about that. A four-star prospect, that's what Kentucky, North Carolina, UCLA go after. He would be able to play a school like that. How many four-star prospects make the NBA? I don't know what the percentage is, but it's not super-duper high. Obviously, if he wants to be in the NBA, he'll get a chance in the NBA. That will be the his last name will carry him as to that. But I think assuming that he's going to be ready at age 19, that's a big ass, Dan. Maybe he will be. I mean, that's two years from now. Maybe he will be. But when I saw him play, he was a freshman. And there were two guys on his team that year that are now in the NBA. Zaire Williams, who's with the Grizzlies, and Brandon Boston, who's with the Clippers. Those guys, when you saw them, you were like, whoa, <laughs> I will see that gentleman in the NBA yeah. in two years. I don't get that same vibe. And like the people I talk to don't get that same vibe about Bronny. There are actually people, and I've never seen his younger son, Bryce, play. There are people who have told me that Bryce actually might be the better prospect amongst the two. But, his, but Bryce, I think, is 13 or something like that. I don't, I don't know if we can go that far down the list. I remember watching when Lonzo Ball was playing and LiAngelo and LaMelo. And I'm watching, and I think he was a freshman at the time, LaMelo. And I said, that's the guy who I think is going to be the best player. But he didn't know how to play. Like, he was just all over the place, and they, they, you know, they, all they did is run and gun. Lonzo loved his passing. LiAngelo could shoot. I thought LaMelo had the, the entire game. I didn't know that he would be this good, but... You know, you start to see guys in the embryonic stages and then you, you know, that, that's what they're always trying to project. It's really hard to do. And I, that's why when somebody says, can Bronny play in the NBA? And I'm like, I don't know. I've watched him play and there are times when he's on the floor and I don't know he's on the floor. When LaMelo was on the floor, I knew that he was on the floor. He was involved in everything. Yes. And I mean, I, I don't think it's a matter. I mean, I don't think it's a matter of comparing him to LeBron because LeBron was the greatest high school player that, people who watched high school basketball for 50 years had ever seen. Um, but I would argue that it's, I don't know if he's making the best decision about putting the pressure on Ronnie. Maybe he is. I mean, maybe this is, he thinks he's going to react with pressure, but when you go out and say, I really can't wait to play with my son, because, you know, when LeBron was coming of age, Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Jr. 
were, were doing that. And Ken Griffey Jr. was a megastar in the world of sports when LeBron was 13, 14, 15 years old. The guy at, um, at Ned Nike, who was been like LeBron's father figure, Lynn Merritt, before he handled LeBron for Nike, he handled Ken Griffey Jr. LeBron's first game as a Cav in the Nike seats, Phil Knight, Lynn Merritt, Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> and World Wide West. But um, Ken Griffey Jr. came to his first game. So I think he had this affinity for that for decades now. It's, it's a lot to ask from the young man. And I will say this. I spent time at Sierra Canyon where he plays in the San Fernando Valley. Dan, I couldn't be more impressed with a, with a high school basketball program. And the thing that I love about it is that there's no, they're not pretending what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. They're trying to prepare professional athletes. He couldn't be at a better place. I'm sure it's one of the reasons why LeBron sent, you know, moved out to LA. He's getting every advantage possible. And one of the things is they don't let, Bronny do interviews like when I went to see him play wasn't allowed to interview him so I thought oh that's really good and then I saw that there was a camera crew following him around including <laughs> all the way out to his car to get into his this is a 14 or 15 year old freshman all the way out to his car to get into his car and the camera crew was from LeBron's company so I was like you know I was like I don't know are we protecting him or are we not and you know I don't have a star 17 year old son what do i know i'm not an nba superstar i don't know but i i i, I worry that his experience is not going to be maybe what it could be it's always great to catch up with you thanks for joining us brian thanks for having me dan have that, a good day that's brian winhorst espn senior nba writer he always has something you haven't heard he always does and a lot of great stuff there with uh, lebron but i always I, I look back and i know lebron doesn't like playing with younger players but you had that young nucleus with the lakers and I like that nucleus. Not everybody was all in on Lonzo Ball. And I thought that you could, you could make him at least an adequate shooter. And I liked Ingram. Uh, I mean, even Julius Randle. I think they, Kuzma, I, Kuzma, I think, kind of bought in on, I want to be a Laker. Like, I want you to be great. And maybe he felt like, you know, he was going to, his growth would be stunted because you're playing with LeBron. And I, I understand all of those things. I just... If you said to LeBron, you could have that younger nucleus or you could have Anthony Davis. I know AD helped him get another title. I don't know if he's going to help him get another one. Take a break. Last call for phone calls. We're back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Mike check. Mike check. Do you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game? What's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. Let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one on one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. You might have a puppy, but do you have an I Got a Puppy t-shirt? Go to danpatrick.com, add one dog treat, the Penny's Bang Biscuits, to the cart and your T-shirt and use the 
code puppy at checkout there. Henny's Bang Biscuits. Paulie, you got a puppy? Yeah. You, you don't even have I got a puppy. I, when I got Winnie, I think I came in, I go, I got a puppy. Got a puppy. I got a puppy. Yes, Paulie. I got a dog question for you and Seton. You have much more experience with dogs. Okay. What's your policy on feeding the dog food? No. From the table? No. Never know? No. It's a huge no. No. Don't no. let the dog sleep with you and don't feed the dog from the table. Yeah. Like like tacos. No. no. Well, I mean, you can feed the dog tacos from the table if you want. You're just never going to be able to eat your own tacos in yeah. peace ever again. Yeah. I wish you guys would have told me this about eight months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so my dog will come over and just put her chin on my lap right at the table. She's just waiting for food, but we don't feed her. She's just there just in case we decide that now, after a year, we're going to uh, feed her. Archie and I have a deal because I don't really eat the, the ending crust on my pizza, and mm. Archie just hammers it. Yeah. He can't do it. Too late. Uh, Todd says, "Don't take any phone calls." But Todd, you know, people are spending time with the show. They're on hold. You could take a couple. Go for Mike it. Mike in Texas joins us. Hi, Mike. What's on your mind today? Hey, boys, love the show like always. Hey, um, I saw YouTube back in the day, man, back in like '92, and it was the same night as the Duke Michigan national championship game. And Eric and Church can do what he wants, and they think they just had the South regional regional at that. Uh, venue at AT&T, but they showed clips of the national championship game during U2's regular concert <laughs> broadcast. Of course, the sound was down, but they should have made it a party. Um, they were just there, so uh, I, it just it stinks that he canceled the show, but that's all I got. Y'all have a good one. All right, Mike, thank you. Yeah, Eric Church, he's a big North Carolina fan, and he wants to see Carolina against Duke, and that would uh, coincide with the concert he had in San Antonio. But he did tell you why he was canceling it. And he said, look, it's, it's the most selfish thing I've done. Um, you know, he'll make it up to you. Right? Country music performer of the year, he'll make it up to you. Maybe you'll just say, hey, free concert. I'm going to have it some big outdoor stadium. Yes, Todd. If Duke wins by 15 or something, will it still be <laughs> worth it? What if this team doesn't win or they lose in a horrific, dramatic fashion in overtime? Maybe he'll write a song about it. There you go. I mean, he wrote a song about listening to Springsteen growing up. Springsteen? Or he went to see Springsteen in concert. I think that's uh, the gist of the uh, song. Mike in Maine. Hi, Mike. What's on your mind today? Hello, gentlemen. How are we doing today? Great, Mike. Excellent. Um, I heard you guys talking about movies, and uh, 1982 was one heck of a year for Mm, movies. Okay. We had The King of Comedy, Blade Runner, Gandhi, Tootsie, uh, then it gets good. The Thing, 48 Hours, E.T., Diner, uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall, Conan the Barbarian, Tron, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, For Fritzie, The Dark Crystal, Annie, Sliced Wound at Rocky Three and First Blood, and it keeps going on and on. Wow, that's great. Thank you, Mike. I, I thought 86 was great in 1939. Great years for movies. Yes, Paul. Didn't that guy sound a little like Charlie Sheen? When I heard his voice. Oh, well, right. Where is Charlie? What is Charlie? I think he's got a show that he's doing now. Yeah. We haven't heard from him in about 11 years. Yes, but that might be a good thing. <laughs> Who that took over the show for a little while. We should have him back on. It's, we love that guy. Okay. We've well, got to check and see. He's doing a show. But uh, do you know if any of the numbers still work that you have for him, Paulie? His cell phone seems to rotate every couple of years. Let's put it that way. Okay. But I think Charlie is... Doing something. I'm trying to think who he's working with. Yes, uh, Marv. I think he's doing a show with the guys from Entourage. 
Oh, Doug Ellen. Correct. Doug Ellen, who uh, was the uh, brains behind Entourage. Hmm, okay. Uh, let me see. John in Bahrain. Hi, John. Hey, Dan. Dan S. Good afternoon. Except Fritzy. Want to cut me off on the phone call, curmudgeon. Um, Talking about movies. It's easy. 1991, Terminator 2, end of story. Best action movie ever made. That's it. <laughs> Thank you, John. It's a good movie, but I need a little bit more if we're talking about best years in movies. You know, if I do Gone with the Wind and, you know, all those great movies. It's a I, wonderful life. Yeah. Uh, Wizard of Oz, and you go, uh, nope, doesn't compare to 91, Terminator. Okay. Did you see that liquid guy? That was sick. <laughs> yeah, Paul, 88, Weekend at Birdies. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This day in sports history, Paul. Oh, you like this, Dan? Iceman George Gervin in 1980 got his third consecutive scoring title. He seems like a guy if he was born about five years later would have got a lot more run in the NBA, a lot more notoriety. Yeah, he was a great score. His peak was kind of late 70s. Yeah, right? ABA. Um, 2004, the NFL owners approved a modified version of the instant replay system. They added a third coach's challenge as well. If the first two were successful, that means you earned a third. Hmm. Uh, let's see. On this date, 1981, Isaiah Thomas leads Indiana to the national title over North Carolina. 1987, Keith Smart jump shot. Uh, Indiana beats Syracuse for the national title. And let's see. What else? Do we... Casey in L.A. Hey, Case, what do you have for me? Yo, what's crack-a-lacking, gang? Hey, bud. Look, this is a Laker fan since the 1972. In fact, I was a ball boy in 73. Uh, the Laker organization is dysfunctional. It has been for a long time. Nobody knows who runs the organization. Is it the Rambi? Is it uh, Rob Lowe? No, it's LeBron. Uh, this They had the defense already. He talked about it earlier. They Think if you had B.I., if you had uh, Julius Randle, if you had a Clarkson, if you had Kuzma, Casey, all playing with LeBron now. I said it two years ago. I would have t- traded away that championship in the bubble to keep the younger team together. Now think about it. They missed the playoffs for six years prior to LeBron coming. LeBron signed himself to the Lakers. Anthony Davis forced a trade, so that landed in the Lakers' lap. They have not made one move themselves that have made this team any better or to help them do any winning. Yeah, and, and and down the road is not going to be prettier either. Thank you, Case. Uh, Todd, what did you learn today? Coach Staley of the Chargers looks a bit like Johnny Knoxville or Peter Brady from the Brady Bunch. Seton? 1939, baller year for movies. Marv? Brady Bunch, tons of cameos. Paulie? It's sandwich day. Fritzy, what did I learn? We all learned your favorite drink book movie, Straight Up Tequila, Who Wrote Shakespeare, and Shawshank Redemption. Thank you. Shawshank Redemption. Recently washed my truck, noticed (laughs) that uh, some light swirls on the paint, grabbed the Meguiar's hybrid ceramic pre-wax, and man, good to go. Easy to use. Left that paint looking beautiful. Back on the road. Meguiar's ceramic made easy. Thanks for joining us. All the phone calls, emails, tweets. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on the Dan Patrick Show. One more item. We close out the show. I thought I was going to be able to hide the uh, UFC trading cards. And then Seton goes, did we get a package from Panini? I go, yeah. Are they the UFC cards? Yeah. So then I had to go into my office and bring them out, and they're on Seton's desk. Yep, sitting right here. Yep. Busted. 
Panini Trading Cards, the exclusive trading card partner of the NBA. They also, as I mentioned, with UFC, NFL, NASCAR, collegiate trading cards, collect all your favorite NBA players. You got the top-selling rookies. Also, autograph memorabilia from Panini's exclusive athletes. They got John Morant. They got Luca, Trey Young, Kevin Durant, Anthony Edwards, only from Panini Authentic. PaniniAmerica.net. Start or continue your collection. See the hottest trending products and sign up. Get all the latest galleries right to your inbox. That's PaniniAmerica.net, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show.